And there's one particular word we're going to find in several verses tonight, and we're going to build some thoughts on that word. Luke chapter number 18, and notice what it says tonight in verse number 1. Luke chapter 18 and verse 1, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought, and say this word with me, always, always to pray and not faint. So men are to always pray and not faint. Come over to John's Gospel, chapter number 8. John's Gospel, chapter 8, verse number 29. John chapter 8, verse number 29, Jesus said, And he hath sent me, and he that hath sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do, and say this little word out loud with me, always, I'll do always those things that please him. He said, so I always do those things that please him. Now come to 2 Corinthians chapter number 15. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 15. The last verse of that chapter. I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable. Here it is, say it with me, our word always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Now turn over to the book of Philippians, chapter number 4, and verse number 4. Very familiar verse of Scripture, Philippians 4 and verse 4. He says, Rejoice, in the Lord, here's our word now, what is it? All the way. And again, I say rejoice. Now, I am amazed at what I call the unity of the Bible. The Bible never contradicts itself. It never does. God would not write a book as extensive as the Word of God and then contradict it. There's unity in the Bible. Not only that, I not only believe in the inspiration of the Scriptures, the books, the chapters, the unity of it, but I believe in what we call the plenary inspiration of Scripture. And I mean by that, we believe that every word of it is inspired. Every word of it is important. You remember what Jesus said to the devil in the wilderness temptation, he was quoting an Old Testament verse. When the devil tempted Christ to take the stones and turn them into bread, uh, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now, if we believe that every word proceeded out of the mouth of God, then every word is important. And I'm amazed at how God will take one word from several different chapters, several different books, and just run that one word through the Scripture to give us a unity of thought. 
And I want to deal with one of those words in our scriptures tonight, and it's the word "alway" or always. And you know, just when you think you know what a word means, it's always a blessing to look it up and see the different definitions of the word that bring light to the text. I like one by, I like what one dictionary said about the composition of the word always. It's two words put together and it literally means all the way. Say that with me tonight. All the way. So always means all the way. Now you think about the way of a Christian. The way we live our Christian life. I heard people say this before. I'm in the way or I have been in the way for... And that means they got saved. They're living for God. And they're walking in the light. They're walking in the truth. They're walking in the pattern of Jesus Christ all the way. And sometimes in our Christian life as we travel all the way, the way sometimes is filled with difficulty. Sometimes it's filled with trouble. Sometimes it is filled with sickness. Sometimes it is filled with trials. Sometimes the way gets hard. Sometimes the way gets weary. But it's always wonderful to walk the way of the Lord. All the way. But when I see these scriptures tonight, how God uses that word, He gives us some things we ought to be doing, not just always doing it, but all the way. In fact, if we're going to make it through all of the difficulties and changes and storms and setbacks in the way, God said, here are some things we ought to do all the way. From this shore to the other shore, until we hear him say, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Let's look at the first one tonight in Luke chapter 18 and verse 1. I've got written down the all way of prayer. I believe tonight that we ought to do that all the way. I love how he words it in the text. He said, it's not a suggestion. It is not just a thought. He uses a strong word which means ought. Men ought. Under the words, it is a command. It is our duty. But it's just like all the other commands and duties of the Bible. It is there for our betterment. Because notice how he worded in verse number one. Men ought to always pray and not faint. That word faint means to get weak in the way. It means to get weary. It means to pass out under exhaustion. Now it says men ought to always pray and not faint. Now that tells me something. If I pray, I won't faint. But it also tells me that if I don't pray, I will faint. And I believe a lot of times the root of our discouragement, and I'm preaching to all of us, the root to our trouble and trial and attitudes and joy and peace, a lot of times we're just not praying all the way. I read a thing in Fox News about 4 o'clock this morning that some 
religious survey group that takes religious surveys surveyed 908 pastors. They surveyed 908 pastors in 2019 and surveyed 908 pastors just the other day. And they said that the burnout in the ministry, the burnout in pastors, the burnout in, they called it the clergy, was at an all-time high. They said that nervous breakdowns, physical uh, ailments, uh, mental breakdowns, uh, people quitting the ministry, uh, people giving up in the ministry, just in the clergy. I, I kind of snickered at what it said. It said, the pressure of politics adds pressure to the ministry. It said that pastors are having to deal with things they've never had to deal with before. Wow, what a deep subject. But it made this statement. It said COVID didn't help. And they said the political climate of the day is worse and wire on the preacher than COVID. And it showed several pastors on their face and some of them had their hands lifted. They were just giving up, quitting the ministry. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. Sometimes all of us get discouraged. We get weak. We get weary. And sometimes the devil even puts a question in our mind. Is it worth it? Does it really pay? But I found out that if you and I will make it a habit to get on our knees and lift up our head towards our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and say, Lord, I'm not serving you in my power. I'm not serving you in my ingenuity. I'm not serving you in my ability And we pray and cast our burdens upon the Lord. I really believe we're going to burn out quick if we don't walk with God. But I believe as we walk with God and talk with God and commune with God and call out to God in prayer, He gives us the strength. He gives us the power. He gives us the ability to make it all the way. I don't believe there's anything we can do in our Christian life more important, more valuable, and more beneficial than to pray. Men ought to always pray and not to faint. Pray all the way. And the Bible gives us some great benefits and promises. For instance, the Bible said, call unto me and I will answer thee. The Bible said, the, the fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Jesus said to his disciples one day when they were weak, this kind comes forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. Acts 2, on the day of Pentecost, it said, and when they prayed, the place was shaken. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and God shook off their bonds. And I believe tonight that there is a power, there is a strength, there is an anointing. There is an energy, there is an infusion of God's help that comes through literally just praying and asking God to help us when we cannot help ourselves. Somebody asked me one time, they said, what do you think prayer 
really is. Well, it's more than you and I saying words. I, I believe it's the attitude of the heart. It's total dependence upon God. I believe when we pray, it is an attitude that we are totally depending upon God. We know we can't buy our way out of this one. We know we can't connive and politic our way out of this one. God's got to move. God's got to come on the scene. God's got to act. And I believe, ladies and gentlemen, when we get desperate and we get hungry and we get thirsty and we pray and we seek and we call out to God, there's an energy, there's a power, there's a strength that comes from that. Praying all the way. He says men ought to always pray and faint not. I really believe we'll faint in the way if we don't pray. I believe we'll quit in the way if we don't pray. I believe we'll burn out in the way if we don't pray. But when we talk to God and we get a hold of God and God gets a hold of us, He gives us what we need to make it all the way. And so we pray all the way. Let's go to the second one tonight. John chapter 8 and verse number 29. And Jesus is speaking about his relationship with his heavenly father. He said, the father sent me and the father is with me. And Jesus made this statement, and I do always. Now, what's that word mean? I do all the way those things that please him. So I wrote down not only the all way of prayer, but think about this, the all way of pleasing. The all way of pleasing God. You know what we need to be doing all the way? Pleasing the Lord. That ought to be the goal of our life. That ought to be the aspiration of our life. That ought to be the goal that we're aiming. To please God in our lives. Not just once in a while. Not just on Sunday. But all the way. I remember hearing a song many, many years ago. And it's simply titled, I want my Lord to be satisfied with me. And a lot of times we preach, we sing those songs and preach those sermons how God satisfies and He satisfies. And I'm glad He does. But ladies and gentlemen, on the other end is our life satisfying God and pleasing God. I believe we ought to please God all the way. I believe that ought to be the desire of every Christian, every child of God. Lord, am I pleasing you today? And ladies and gentlemen, when it comes down to the brass tacks, if you don't please anybody else, you ought to please God because He's your Savior. He's your Lord. He's your King. He's your Master. I know a lot of times preachers get so aggravated, and I've never done this, but preachers get aggravated trying to make people live right. 
Uh, preachers say to me all the time, Brother Joe, how do you make people live right? Listen, I've done a lot of things in 39 years, but trying to make somebody live right is not one of them. Because I don't have the ability to make anybody live right. I got a full-time job making sure Brother Arthur lives right. I can't even make Mrs. Arthur live right. And other preachers have preached about how mean and bad she is. And they can't even help her live right. I can't make anybody live right. It is not my job to make you live right. But I want to tell you this tonight. If you love God enough, you'll live right. If you love the Lord like you should, you'll live right. If you have this goal in your mind, I'm going to please God. That'll help you live right. And I believe we ought to ask ourselves that question. God, are you pleased with this? God, before I do this, before I go here, before I say this, before I accomplish this, that ought to be our goal, our life pleasing unto the Lord. You say, well, that's Jesus Christ, Brother Job, that said that. I mean, I can't be like Jesus Christ. Well, he is our pattern. He is our example. And I love what he said. He said, the Father sent me. Well, the Father has sent us. He said, the Father is with me. He is with us. And he said, and the Father that sent me and the Father that's with me, I appreciate that so much. I do all the way those things that please Him. That's what we need to be doing tonight all of the way. From this side to the other side. From this shore to the other shore. Every step of the journey. In spite of the heartache. In spite of the difficulty. In spite of the setback. It ought to be our goal to please the Lord. This man's dead. He's in heaven. But when we was at our other location, he stopped in one day and I happened to be at the church. And he pastored not far from here. And he said, uh, where are you going? I said, well, I'm getting ready to leave and go preach this youth revival. I was young enough in that day where I preached a few youth revivals. I told CT the other day, I said, you don't need no old men like me preaching no youth meetings. Get some young blood. And that man said to me, he said, Man, I bet your people love it when you go preach revivals. And I said, well, some do and some don't, but it don't matter. I'm going to do what God tells me to do. And he said, but man, I know they love it because when you're gone, Brother Joe, this is what this man said. He said, when you're gone, Brother Joe, those people can live like they want to. And you're not there to stop them. Now, he was an older brother, and I was a young preacher, and I always tried to be respectful. But I had to say this. I said, brother, you'd be surprised how your people are living right now, right under the bridge of your nose. And I called him by name. I said, sir, I don't want any, I don't think any church ought to have the fear of their pastor. But the fear of God. I mean, I, I want the respect of my people and I want you to, you know, believe I'm real and I'm not a hypocrite, but I don't want my fear to fall upon you. 
He said, well, I'll tell you what I do, Brother Joe. I, I ride around and snoop on my people. And if I see them doing something, I preach on it the next Sunday. And I said, Brother, how do you keep from having a nervous breakdown? Look up at me. I don't want to know what you're going to do tomorrow. And nobody else does either. So if you plan on doing something stupid, don't put it on Facebook. Nobody is really that interested. And I told that preacher, we're not out to please the preacher. We're not out to please the deacons and the church and the other members of the church. Pleasing the Lord is our aspiration. Pleasing the Lord is our goal. He's the one that saved me. He's the one that called me. He's the one that answers my prayer. By the way, he's the one that's going to be sitting on that judgment seat of Christ when I give an account of my Christian life someday. All the way, let's please the Father. All the way, let's please the Lord. And I'm telling you tonight, through the help of the power of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, it is possible, it is possible to live a life that pleases God. Enoch pleased God. Noah pleased God. Abraham pleased God. John the Baptist pleased God. Paul pleased God. Simon Peter pleased God. And wouldn't it be wonderful if God could say about you and I, we've walked well-pleasing in His sight. Always means all the way. Praying all the way. Pleasing all the way. Let's come to that third tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15 and verse 58. I love what he says. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, Here it is now, always. And what does that mean? All the way. All the way abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I have written down by that word, the word present. Always present. Or here's the best word, faithful. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding. That means show up for the task. Show up for the journey. Show up for the will of God for your life. All the way abounding. Steadfast, unmovable. One of the greatest, maybe the greatest characteristic of the Christian life is faithfulness. Faithfulness, being steadfast, being unmovable, always abounding. I call it present and accounted for. When it comes time to live for God and take a stand for God and witness for God and work for God and labor for God, may we stand in the roll call and say present and accounted for. Being steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And every Christian, every Christian has the ability to be faithful and steadfast and unmovable. I want to tell you something tonight that hinders the testimony 
of a lot of Christians. I want to back up. Hinders the testimony of a lot of church people. Sometimes we get the word Christian and the word church people synonymous. And there is a difference. The people that let you down are church people. They're not Christians. The people that gossip, hurt folks, they're church people. They're not Christians. Because Christian means to be Christ-like and Christ don't act like it. Can I get an amen right there? But I'm telling you tonight that one of the greatest characteristics in the life of a Christian is faithfulness. And I believe what hurts the testimony of a lot of people who go to church, it hurts their testimony in their family. It hurts the testimony in their own children. It hurts their testimony among their other fellow comrades in the faith is the unfaithfulness. The inconsistency, the up and the down and the in and the off. That's what runs pastors crazy, they say. The, the unfaithfulness of the people. Not being faithful, not being consistent. I had a young man in our church one time, and I mean, he's always going to do something big. He's, I won't do this. I won't do, I won't do that. I won't know how to live for God. And, I, and I'd call his name and I'd say, listen. Here's how you do something big for God. You take care of the small things first. Go to church. Tithe. Go to church. Tithe. Pray. Live right. And as you show up present and accounted for on the seemingly small minuscule things, God will broaden the coast. Listen, everybody doesn't have the same talents or, or abilities. Some people are not speakers. Some people are not teachers. Some people are not singers. Everybody can't give millions. But there is one thing every Christian, every church person can do. And that is be steadfast. Unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord and I love what he says at the end of that verse because our labor is not in vain. Mm, I love that verse. Be steadfast, unmovable, all the way abounding. When the way is rough, show up. When the way is difficult, show up. When the way is hard, show up. Present and accounted for all the way. Because when you're in the way, things get in the way. And sometimes you get weary of the way. But just keep showing up. Our labor is not in vain. It pays to serve the Lord. It pays to be faithful to God. It pays to be consistent and steadfast and unmovable. Remember Paul had to write that little church at Galata. And he loved those people. He loved those people. He said, I love you. I yearn in my bowels of compassion for you. But Paul said, I marvel at you sometime. How you are so hindered and removed from your faith. Paul said, who did hinder you? What cut you off? What got in your way? 
And by the way tonight, the devil knows he can't take you to hell, so he'll just try to hinder you from living for God. And that's hindrances in your life, and that's hindrances in my life. But ladies and gentlemen, in spite of the hindrance, in spite of the obstacle, in spite of the difficulty, God says here is what we need to do all the way from the beginning of our Christian life to the consummation of our Christian life. Show up. Be present. Be steadfast. Be unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Because our labor is not in vain. Praying all the way. Pleasing all the way. Present all the way. Come to the fourth one. Philippians chapter number four and verse number four. Rejoice in the Lord all the way. And again, for double emphasis, and again, I say, rejoice. Now, when I read this tonight, just on the surface, we're rejoicing the Lord. But realize who Paul is writing, where he is writing from. He is not on a Caribbean cruise. He is not on a vacation. He's not living a life of ease. He is in a Roman prison for his faith. And he's writing the little church at Philippi. Now think about that. The church at Philippi. You remember how the church at Philippi got started? You remember Paul and Silas go to Philippi? And they start preaching the gospel and they get locked up in jail, beaten with stripes, thrown in the inner prison. And at midnight, Paul and Silas pray and sing praises unto God, and God busts the jailhouse loose. And that jailer comes in and falls down before him and says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Paul gave the great gospel message, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And that jailer takes him home and introduces Paul and Silas to his family, and he washes their stripes. And the Philippian jailer was saved and his family was saved. And in fact, Paul said, thou shalt be saved and the house. And from the house of that Philippian jailer comes the little church at Philippi. I mean, right in the midst of the devil's backyard. In the, in the, in the, in the house of the jailer, God burst the little church at Philippi. And years down the road, Paul writes that little church who knows what persecution is about. They know what setbacks are about. They know what difficulty is about. But Paul could not only say it in word, he could say it in deed. Not only could he say, rejoice in the Lord and say it, but he had actually done that when he was there. When they're reading what Paul said, yes. This man really means it. That's what he did when he was here. Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. Now Paul with authority because he had been there and lived that and demonstrated that. Writes that little church and says rejoice in the Lord all the way. Paul said, we was in prison, but we rejoiced. We were persecuted, but we rejoiced. We were beaten with rods and stripes, and 
But yet we rejoiced. He rejoiced not about the circumstance, but he rejoiced in the circumstance. And God lifted him above the circumstance, rejoicing all the way. Have you noticed how this has flowed through the Scripture? Man, how can we rejoice in the Lord all the way? Well, we've been faithful all the way. What do you mean by that? We have pleased God all the way. Well, have we made it all the way? We have prayed all the way. Ladies and gentlemen, we have prayed, we have pleased, we have been faithful, and we praise God all the way till we get to the end of the way. And just when I thought it couldn't get any better, I said, Lord, how are we going to pray always? How are we going to please always? How are we going to be present always? How are we going to praise your name always? Well, here's what I call two bonus verses. Come to Matthew chapter number 28. Matthew chapter number 28 and verse number 20. Matthew chapter 28 and verse number 20. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, said with me, I am with you. How about that? All the way. Lo, I am with you all the way. Even unto the end of the world. How are we going to pray all the way? Please God all the way. And be present all the way. And praise his name all the way. Because he is with us all the way. Bonus verse number two. Turn to Second Corinthians. Chapter number nine. Verse number eight. Second Corinthians chapter number nine. Verse number eight. But when I saw this, I wept. It blessed my heart. Lord, how can I please you all the way? How can I keep my prayer life all the way? How can I be faithful all the way? How can I praise your name all the way? Because you're with me all the way. And then watch this verse, Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. And God is able to make, watch this now, all grace abound toward you. Look at here. That ye, say it with me, all the way, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Notice the alls in this text. All grace, all sufficiency, all things. When can we have all grace? When can we have all sufficiency? When can we have a God in all things? Well, it says, all ways, all the way. How are we going to live for God all the way? His grace, His sufficiency. God will be with us all the way. His grace will be there all the way. His kindness will be there all the way. His presence will be there all the way. Not just once in a while, not just every now and then, not just on good days, 
But God has promised us all the way he is there. And all the way his grace is there. Now, here it is. If God's going to be with me all the way, if I have his grace all the way, if God's sufficiency is good enough all the way, how many thinks we can pray all the way, praise all the way, be present all the way, and live and please God all the way? I thought about the little song, All the way my Savior leads me. God is good all the way. God is great all the way. Let us tonight be faithful all the way. And when we come to the end of the way, we'll hear him say, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Let's stand together, Lord, we love you.